Hey, my name is Jason. I'm the producer of Relationship Radio. I wanted to let you know that we have a brand new website solely dedicated to working on your pies. Introducing itstartswithattraction.com. You can listen to every episode, learn about the pies, and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Go to itstartswithattraction.com. It starts with attraction, one word. It starts with attraction.com to get signed up today. Hello and welcome to our live program. This is Mary Chelper and I'm Dr. Joe Beam. Today, we're going to start off for a few minutes talking about a topic that we have amortized in various places, and perhaps that's why you're listening. And if so, then we'll do our best to explain it to you. The question is this, how do I get past my spouse's cheating? Now, we're going to be taking callers in just a few minutes, and it'll be about all kinds of different questions. And so if you're listening right now thinking, well, that's not really applicable to me. My spouse has not cheated on me, nor have I cheated on him or her. Well, just give me about 10 minutes to talk about this, and then we're going to open up to calls. And people call and talk about all kinds of relationship situations, problems, difficulties, and so forth. By the way, if you want to call in and ask a question, then you can call us at 657-383-0812. That's 657-383-0812. Now, understand that that's the number in the United States of America. And I think our country code is 1 or 01. Not quite sure there. But we have people call us all the time from other places in the world other than the United States of America. And we'd be happy to talk to you. But that's the number, 657-383-0812. Now, back to the topic at, at hand. When I wrote about this, I wrote about it this way. Okay, if your spouse has cheated on you, but now they're back. And they're saying they want to make the marriage work. But although you're trying to get past it and make your marriage good again, you're still hurt. Some days, more than others, of course. You find yourself reliving the lies, the devastating sense of loss, the violation of your trust. So what do you do? Do you just end the relationship and go your own way? That's a possibility, of course. Or do you swallow the pain and just do the best you can as you try to put the marriage back together? That's a way you could do it, but we would not recommend that. Or or find a way to heal your relationship and heal your heart. Now, if you're listening right now saying, oh, wait a minute, Dr. Beam, my spouse has been unfaithful to me, but he or she has not indicated yet that they want to put the marriage back together. Well, the things I'm going to be talking about for the next 10 minutes or so would actually apply to that as well, but not completely. In other words, I can still give you the basic principles that would be for you to find the healing that you need. Because what I'm talking about now for the next few minutes or so, it's not about how to heal your marriage. That's actually a different topic, and that definitely requires both of you. However, healing from the pain is something you can do even if your spouse doesn't know how to help or your spouse doesn't want to help. Now, I'm I'm addressing situations here where your spouse wants to restore the marriage after cheating. However, as I just said, the principles can help even if your marriage ended because of the infidelity. And as a way I typically do this, I'll give you some don'ts first, don't do these things, and some do's if you really want to find the healing. And if indeed your spouse is willing to work with you, I'm going to give you a little bit under that as well. Okay, under the don't. 
Don't allow yourself to ruminate repeatedly about what happened. You know, sometimes that can happen. It just gets in your head and just goes over and over and over and over and over again. It's like you find yourself obsessed by it. You wish you could think about something else, but it seems that this just dominates. And if you try to do something else, the next thing you know, you're thinking about this instead. Well, that's not going to be healthy for you, and it's going to be really, really difficult if you keep doing that, and especially especially if you're allowing yourself to visualize your spouse's actions. Now, we're talking about here, of course, infidelity, and so you might be imagining him or her, your husband or your wife. You might be imagining him or her doing certain things with the affair partner. And I know that that's human. As a matter of fact, you may even have asked about it. Did you do this? Did you do that? Well, I'll I'll recommend that if you're going to stop yourself from ruminating repeatedly about this, letting it just obsess you, then stop asking those kinds of questions. And if you've already asked them, don't let yourself think about them anymore. Because if you visualize, first of all, what you're visualizing is not accurate. Because you weren't there, you didn't see it. It's what your mind's conjuring up. And secondly, long after your spouse is able to heal from this and put the marriage back together, you'll still be having those things in your head. So actually, I'm asking you to to stop thinking about those visual things. And in a minute, I'm going to tell you how to do that. And stop replaying the lies. You know, when it comes to infidelity, one of the biggest damaging parts of it is the fact not just that he or she slept with somebody else or got emotionally connected to somebody else. A big part of it is just you thinking about how dishonest they were, how they deceived you, the lies, that lack of of honesty and integrity, that violation of your trust, all those kinds of things. I mean, they can be very, very painful. And if you keep replaying those lies, and then he said that, or then she told me that, and and he said he was going to be working that weekend and he was with her. She said, on and on it goes. So please try to stop doing that. Now you might be thinking, okay, Dr. Beam, easy enough to say, (laughs) but how, how do you do that? Well, there's a thing called mindfulness, M-I-N-D-F-U-L-N-E-S-S, mindfulness. Unfortunately, If you type that in on Google or whatever search engine that you use, you're going to get, you know, of course, millions of hits immediately. And most of them are junk. And so what we've done is we found some links to some really good resources to help you do this thing called mindfulness so that you can stop this rumination this going over and over and over again in your head. And hopefully they're showing up on your screen right about now. If you're watching on Facebook, if you're watching on YouTube, these links are coming up about right now. And if it's not now, they'll come up pretty quickly after that. And also, if, um, if you're looking at some of the chat on Facebook or YouTube, probably they're also being put there as well, even as I speak. If not, they'll be up in a couple of minutes. Now, these links are two good resources about mindfulness. Now, one of them, maybe two, actually link back to the Stanford Medical School website, and you're going to go, I'm not a medical doctor. How's this going to apply to me? Because they link to things that are not necessarily just for medical doctors. But because of the fact that Stanford vetted those sites, looked at those things, found the best stuff there, if they think it's good enough for the medical doctors that they serve, that they train and that they serve, then I'll guarantee it's good enough for us as well. 
So if you want to deal with the mindfulness thing, write down those links. And when you get a chance, go check those things out. Okay. So the first thing that you don't do, don't allow yourself to ruminate repeatedly. Now, the second thing is this. Don't take on the hurt of others who are upset with your spouse. I remember well, a lady called me many years ago. I was actually speaking at Pepperdine University at the time out in Malibu, California. And she tracked me down there because her husband had been unfaithful to her. And she wanted to ask a couple of questions. She was a friend from way back. So I was happy to take her call. And in the course of things, she said, my friends want me to castrate him. To which I replied, I hope that's figurative rather than literal. She said, they want me to punish him in every way you can imagine. They want me to just destroy this man for what he did to me. And I said, how are you reacting to that? She said, I'm telling them I've got enough hurt on my own. I don't need to take on yours. Now, I realize it's human nature that you'll want to be around some people that you can talk about how badly your spouse treated you and how much he or she hurt you and have those people agree. You're right. He, she is scum, terrible, evil, wicked. And to some degree, we at least need those people who will listen and understand. But when they start piling on toward the other person, they're going to affect what you think and what you feel. And rather than helping you get over it and heal faster, in all likelihood, it's going to be just the opposite. It's going to take you longer to heal from it. And so please don't take on the hurts of others. You have enough hurt on your own. Don't let them program you to think in any way other than toward healing. And then the third don't is don't punish anyone, including you. What I mean by that is you might be beating yourself up. Oh, if I had only done this, if I'd done that, if this other thing had happened. And that's just punishing you. That's punishing you. And so please don't do that. Okay. I'm getting a note here from my team that blog talk has frozen for them. Okay. Audio has been gone for five minutes unless it's still working for me. I don't know if it's working for me or not. I'll tell you what, before I give you the three do's, let me see if I can take a call and see if this thing's working at all. I'm going to go to Indiana and I'm going to talk to Brittany. Hi, Brittany. Are you there? Hi. Yes, I am. Okay. Well, at least I can hear you and you can hear me. Apparently, Blog Talk's having some big problems out there. And so I'll go to the three do's in a few minutes. I just covered the three don'ts. But let's talk about your situation here. It says you're asking how to create positive communication when smart contact isn't working. Is that what you're doing? Uh, yes, sir. Um, okay. I Yeah, I I took the course online through Marriage Helper and have done the mini courses uh, that have been available as well. Um, we talk about, um, well, I try to get him to talk about our house and our dog. We don't have any children. Um, mm-hmm. We've talked about taxes. Um, I did have to kind mm-hmm. of uh, nag a bit because uh, July 15th is coming up super fast. Um, and we did get it done. Um, mm-hmm. But besides that, um, he actually said, says that he feels I'd manipulate him when I try to talk to him about things with, with our home or our dog. And, or okay, let me, get, first let me say, have two. hear that one more yeah. time. I think I missed something there. He says what when you try to talk about those things? Uh, that I'm, in, I'm manipulating him to feel guilty or to come home. When I don't bring up coming home, I just say, hey, there's something wrong with the electricity. Um, do, you have, do you know an electrician? No? Okay. Well, I found this guy. Are you okay with me bringing him in? No responses whatsoever. 
That's okay. just a simple example, but that's the same. So, Brittany, you know, if I may ask, why why does he not want to be in the relationship anymore? Um, from what I've gathered, it's when he left a year ago, it was he felt that I wasn't contributing to um, taking care of our home and our finances. I was finishing grad school and I couldn't keep a job because grad school was just really intense. Um, mm-hmm. And then when I talked to him beginning of COVID, he told me it kind of boiled down to finances. He was, he was like, you couldn't provide for me. And, and I was like, okay, well, um, sorry you feel that way. Um, but yeah, that's what I've gathered. Okay. And so do you think that's real? Do you think that's really why I left or do you think that's an excuse for something else? Um, I think it's partially an excuse for something else. Um, I believe so what, he, is the, what is the something else? What do you think it is? I think he wants a lifestyle that we didn't have. Um, we both have worked. We work, both work hard, but we definitely are in the lower end of the middle class. And like he wants to, you know, miss out my song. So he wants to be in band. He's a really great musician. Um, amazing, amazing musician. He just things just didn't pan out the way he wanted to. And so it's about becoming famous and, and traveling and performing and he loves that stuff and that just hasn't really happened for him. And so mm-hmm. I and you know, and living in a different area of our city that's not So he know, feels like, like he has to be stuff. away from you to be able to do that? Is that what you're saying? I think so, yeah. And he is now living in the suburbs. Um he has two uh male roommates. Okay. Um last I So heard. he's left you um, because he yeah. wants to be a musician and he doesn't think he can do that and be married. That's what I'm hearing you say. Is that correct? I think it's more just the lifestyle of what comes with being a musician. Um, okay. And, and if I may ask, how old is he? He's turning 40 this October. Okay, he's turning 40 in October. Okay, mm-hmm. so I think I've got a picture now. And so what you're asking is, okay, the smart contact isn't working. What do I do next? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, um, and I'm not saying I'm perfect at it, um, but it no. seems like the push is, for him are the same as the polls that, that, that have been suggested, I guess, you know, okay. as, and I, yeah. And I, and I do try to ask how he's doing when he does bring that up okay. uh, when we okay. talk about stuff, but it, it doesn't lead anywhere. Okay. So he's pretty much walled you off. Now, when we start looking at this thing, we say things, okay, smart contact. And I'm going to say this for the sake of everybody else who's listening out there. Smart contact has to do with the fact that, you don't do anything that, that pushes the other person in any shape, fashion, or form. So definitely no whining, begging, pleading, those kinds of things, because those work against you. But at the same time, it's the kind of situation where that if they don't want to talk about whatever, then you just don't. Because what do you gain from that? And so when you get a question like this from Brittany, who sounds like a really nice lady here, when you get a question from her about a thing like this, okay, smart contact isn't working, what else can I do? The answer is, the only other options you have is to try to force it. And if you try to force it, then the likelihood of it turning out badly is extremely high. And so I know it gets kind of frustrating, like, okay, I'm doing this more contact thing and I expected some kind of result of that, but it's not happening. What other options do you have? Well, one option would be you just try to make him talk to you and it's not going to work out well. 99.99% of the time, that's not going to work out well. Or the other is you go into the no contact mode. And there are some people out there on the internet who really push the no contact. Okay, no contact at all. Don't contact them one bit. And then they're going to realize how much they miss you. 
I think that's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard because of this. <laughs> They've already said they want to be away from you. They've already indicated it by moving out from you. And then you go non no contact because you think that'll make them want to come back to you. Yeah, it seems like no contact to me just plays right into what they're doing. So unfortunately, Brittany, I don't have any other option to give you other than to try to force him or go to no contact. And I don't know how either one of those works to your advantage. There could be a potential advantage in the no contact in the sense that you then begin to, well, for lack of a better word, you begin to give up hope because you're not trying to have any conversations anymore. No contact, I would recommend only to people who decided that's it, I'm done, I don't want to try this anymore. Otherwise, otherwise, I still recommend smart contact, even if it's not working right now. Hopefully, someday it will. And if it doesn't, there's not anything that would have happened better than that. In other words, <laughs> there's no other option that's better than the smart contact, at least not that I know of, other than the two I just mentioned. And as I just said, I'm pretty convinced those things will go against you. So, Brittany, I'm so sorry for your pain. I really am. But I would recommend you stay with a smart contact unless you decide you're completely done. And if you've decided that, then no contact. Now, let me get back to what I was talking about earlier. Okay, how do you get past your spouse's cheating? I gave you the don't. Don't allow yourself to ruminate. And hopefully those, those uh, links have come up, except for the fact that my crew is telling me in some texting here that uh, they've lost all contact. And therefore, I don't know if they're able to put it up for you at not or not. So what I'm going to do is by the time we get to the end of this program, I'll actually call up a document here on my screen, and I'll read to you what those, those uh, links are in case you don't have them. Okay, so number one, don't allow yourself to ruminate repeatedly. Figure out how to do this mindfulness I referred to. Number two, don't take on the hurt of others who are upset with your spouse. You've got enough hurt on your own. And number three, don't punish anybody, including you. So what do you do? Well, it's going to sound kind of superficial, but it's really very deep if you understand it. And it's not necessarily easy to do. But it can be done. So if you want to heal to get past your spouse's cheating, what do you do? Number one, acknowledge and embrace the pain and the anger. Now, you see, you don't need to think that you've got to be superhuman where it's like, okay, for the sake of my children, for the sake of my family, for the sake of my friends, I've got to be the strong one and not have any pain at all. Don't think you have to do that. It's definitely okay to be human. It's okay to hurt. But at the same time, at the same time, don't let that pain consume you. And again, that's back to the links we'll give you about the mindfulness. Don't let it consume you. And by the way, if you, if you don't have a way to get it otherwise, if you'll email us at info, that's I-N-F-O, at marriage helper, that's one long word, marriage helper, marriagehelper.com, if you don't wind up seeing the links there on the screen or in the chats, then we'll give them to you if you email that. Now, the person that gets that email has not been informed of that, so I'll have to let them know. But we'll send you the links back that way if you will. And so, number one, under the do, acknowledge and embrace the pain and the anger. Don't think that you've got to be superhuman. But at the same time, don't let it consume you. Therefore, therefore, be careful if you go see a therapist. Now, I'm not anti-therapist. I'm not anti-counselor. I'm actually very pro-therapist and pro-counselor, except when it comes to trying to put marriages back together. Now, if you're just going to deal with your pain and that's all you're trying to do and you're not interested in putting the marriage back together, 
then the therapists probably are going to be better equipped to help you do that. But generally speaking, the way that therapists are trained today is to help people be happy. And therefore, if you're trying to deal with your marriage and you're dealing with some kind of pain, a lot of therapists will just say the best thing you can do is divorce and move on. So be careful of that. And then there are some therapists, believe it or not, just like every other profession on the planet. There are people who are awesome at it, people who are mediocre at it, and people who are just bad. Okay, just bad at what they do. And if you get one of those therapists who already is angry and carrying a chip on his or her shoulder because of a marriage problem or a relationship problem, then they're liable to lead you in a very, very bad direction. So acknowledge the the pain, embrace the pain and the anger, but don't let it consume you and be careful of whatever help you get. Okay. And then number two, accept that it happened. Don't play the, what if I'd done this game or what if my spouse had done that game? Just don't do that. Accepting means you don't try to change the past. It's done. What happened happened. I know you don't like it. I know it hurts. I know that you never want to go through anything like that again. But denying the past doesn't help you get anywhere. So just accept the fact it has happened. It did occur. I'm going to accept the fact that it did. And rather than letting it be my anchor that weighs me down the rest of my life, I'm going to learn from it. I'm going to move on, which means that leads to the third thing here under the do. And that means forgive. Don't try to take vengeance. Because if you're trying to heal, if you're trying to get past your spouse's cheating, taking vengeance is going to make it worse and make it last a whole lot longer. And taking vengeance does something to you. It changes you into a person that you probably don't want to be. So don't take vengeance. Don't don't do that. The lady said one time, I'm going to call his boss and I'm going to tell him because that woman works there as well and he'll fire both of them. And my response was, what's your motivation here? Well, he should pay for what he's doing. In other words, in other words, what you're doing is that you want to take vengeance on him. You want him to suffer. She said, yes, that's exactly it. Is that what you want to be? Is that who you want to be? You know, that actually does something to your own integrity, to your own character, to your own personality. I'm all for justice. But vengeance is when you try to make the other person hurt as badly as you do. And another part of forgiving is decide that everyone who wronged you is a flawed human. You understand? A flawed human. They're not evil incarnate. I know you may be thinking that about whoever your spouse was involved with, and he or she is the devil himself. No, they're not. They're flawed humans. And if you think of them as being evil, then it can justify anything you do or say. So I'd recommend that if you possibly can, see them as being a human who is flawed. Now, those are three don'ts and three do's. The don'ts, don't allow yourself to ruminate repeatedly. Don't take on the hurt of others who are upset with your spouse. And don't punish anyone, especially you. And under the do's, acknowledge and embrace the pain and the anger. And then accept that it happened and that you can't change it. So accept that it happened so you can move on past it. And then forgive by not taking vengeance on anybody and deciding that everyone who wrongs you is a flawed human. And here's a little extra piece of that. If your spouse is trying to put the marriage back to work together with you, if you're trying to work through it, then create some accountability that can help the healing so that the spouse who was the one who erred, the one who strayed, will have some accountability back to the other for at least six months, maybe a year, 
an amazing amount of accountability. Here's where I am. Here's what I'm doing. Here's the money I'm spending so that you can kind of put that trust back together and then focus on the future, not the past, not even the present, but where can we go from this? And we have a system that can help you with that. We call it the E-System of Reconciliation. If your spouse is willing to work with you, the E-System of Reconciliation. Now, right now, it's only available through our coaches. But if you want to get it through one of our coaches and work with one of them, we have both males and female coaches, then you call us at 615-472-1161. That's 615-472-1161. And say, hey, I want to talk to one of the client reps. I want to find out about this coaching and this e-system that Dr. Bean talked about, that Dr. Bean talked about. Okay. I think we have a toll-free number is 866-903-0990. That's 866-903-0990 and say, hey, I want to find out about this e-system. I want to be able to work through that. Now we're going to go back and talk to some callers again. And this time we're going to go to the great country of Canada and we're going to talk to Carrie. Hi, Carrie. Are you there? Hi, Joe. How are you? I am rocking and bopping. What may I do for you? It says (laughs) here that you're, uh, is it worth going to the workshop if my spouse is pursuing a different lifestyle? Is that the question you're asking about? Yes. Um, so me and my husband, were in our late 40s. Uh, we have two sons that are 19 and 17. Mm-hmm. Um, I've noticed since, I guess, COVID started and uh, my husband lost his dad in March that mm-hmm. he hasn't been himself. And uh, mm-hmm. so uh, 15 years ago, he did have an affair and we moved past that um it was just a few months long we got back together things were good for a few years um the last few years just with being busy with kids and sports and stuff like that we've definitely drifted but since the loss of his dad and covid um he says he loves me but he doesn't he's not in love with me he mm-hmm. wants to be single he wants a different life um so he did say he would do the workshop in August, mm-hmm. hopefully. Um, but I'm just wondering, I don't recognize him right now. Like he's somebody that mm-hmm. he's not his normal self. And I don't know if he would even, if the workshop is worth it at this point, or should I wait mm-hmm. and try again later in the year? Now, when you say he's not his normal self, does that mean he's doing things that he didn't do before? Yeah, he's uh, he's going out like camping by himself with friends and drinking more. And uh, I found mm-hmm. out yesterday that his profile was on. He put his profile on some dating apps yesterday. Mm-hmm. So um, he's definitely looking for somebody. So, gotcha. Tell me again how old uh, you said it, and I didn't catch it. How old is he? Uh, he's forty forty seven. And, and he's angry. Like our friends notice, he's angrier and less patient and. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about life. that anger for a minute. Mm-hmm. Anger uh, is always based on pain. And so when you mm-hmm. see somebody who's angry, it's because they're hurting somewhere in some way. And you pretty yeah. well kind of explained what that was when you said he lost his dad. Okay. That can be yeah. a trigger. I mean, losing somebody yeah. that, that, how old was, how old was his dad? Uh, 74. He got, um, asbestos. He did, uh, heating and air conditioning and my husband worked with along his side for 20 years. Um, Mm -hmm. and they kind of had like a love hate relationship. Okay. 
Well, that can actually contribute to this even more so if they had that love-hate relationship because it's like I don't like some things about him. And so there's a little piece of me that's kind of relieved that maybe that he's not here anymore, but I still loved him. And there's a piece of me that hurts because he's not here anymore, which creates even Mm -hmm. more internal conflict. And so what you're describing here is not unusual at all, not in the least. Okay. And so when Mm -hmm. you say, okay, is it worth, has he agreed to come to the workshop or go to, I know the workshop online. He he did agree. No, he agreed. Uh, Yeah. He said he would do it online. Um, he doesn't think it'll make a difference, but he said he mm-hmm. would do it. So okay. that's why I'm just curious if I should go through, like register for it or what I should do. Well, obviously, <clears throat> pardon me, one second. My allergies are kind of kicking in today. I'm sorry I had to cough there for a second. No, that's okay. Obviously, it's up to you as to what you wish to do. And that's what we want you to do mm-hmm. is what you think is best. But typically speaking, what we have noticed over the years, and I've been doing this workshop for 21 years, and, and what we've noticed is that the time to come is when the person is willing to come. Because sometimes when people okay. say, well, yeah, we're going to wait a few months, you don't know what's going to happen in those few months. I mean, so for example, yeah. let's say that somebody responds from one of those little dating sites and all of a sudden he gets emotionally connected with him or her. So our recommendation yeah. is if you're going to come to the workshop, come as soon as the other person agrees to. Don't wait for anything. And if he's going through what I think he's going through, I think we can help. Now, I can't guarantee that we'll turn him around. No, I I don't. Okay. Only Charlton's and Prods make those kind of guarantees, and we don't do that. (laughs) Um, But I'm telling you that it sounds like a man who is going through a grief process. And in that grief process, kind of striking out, trying to find some way to handle that pain, that he's confused inside of himself, probably because of that love, help, uh, love, hate thing with his dad. And, and yeah. if, if I'm guessing correctly, if based on what you have said, then I think there's a good chance we can help. I do. Yeah. Because of I the hope fact so. that he's rewritten our, our, mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say he's rewritten our history as well. Like some of the things mm-hmm. you talk about in limerence, he's done mm-hmm. that as well. So, yeah. Yeah. So that's tough too, but I, yeah, I'm, um, he says he's willing. So uh, um, I'll, I'll be in touch with a client rep and try to register okay. for that then. Well, I'm doing most of the online workshops, Carrie. So I guess that maybe I'll get to meet you before long. <laughs> that would be great. Okay. All right. My heart is with you and my heart's with your husband because obviously he's a man in pain and obviously you're in pain yeah. as well. Okay. My yeah. friend, thank you very much. Okay, okay, thanks, Joe. You're very welcome. And now we're going to go to the great state of California here in the U.S. of A. and talk to Ryan. Let's see. Hi, Ryan. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. How may I help you today, my friend? It says here that you're wondering about confronting your wife about an affair. And you're also wondering if you should tell her mom. Is that is that what you're struggling with right now, my friend? Um. Yeah, I've been struggling with that for a long time. Um, How long? I kind of, well, in 2018, around July, she started to act very differently. Mm-hmm. Um, she started going out and partying all the time and kind of mm-hmm. things that uh, I know she did when she was younger, long before we dated. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, things kind of 
got worse and worse when I kind of asked her, you know, what's going on and what's happening and everything. And then in 2019, around April, I I snooped pretty hard, got into her phone, and found that there was a lot of things going on. Hmm. Um, immediately, she asked to be separated. And, okay, because uh, you confronted her about what you found on her phone, is that correct? Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, Okay. So I'm having a well, um, I'm confused here a little bit because the question I have on my screen, if it's wrong, you can tell me, should I confront my wife about her affair? But now I'm hearing that you already did confront her, correct? Well, at that point, I didn't know if it was physical. In October of that year, I, I found out it was physical with at least one person. Now I know it's more than one. And ever hmm. since I've been kind of implementing your guys' practices, which would have been December to now, she lies constantly about going out mm-hmm. and seeing this person. And I don't know if I, I mean, I just kind of suck it up, I guess, at this point. I don't know if I should say something or just leave it alone. Okay, so you guys are still living together, right? Oh, yes, yes. But we're okay. in separate rooms and, yeah. Okay. And so if you were to confront her, what would you expect to accomplish by that? I ask myself that question every day. That's why I'm kind of, I've been torn for the past seven months. I mean, things got really bad back in October when I confronted her on the mm-hmm. physical thing. And mm-hmm. she lied about that too. Pretty much just said, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm separated. I can do what I want. Yeah. Um, and the thing with her mother, I've been wondering for, for two years, <laughs> her mom. Okay, let's think about it just for a minute, if we may. Okay, so what I'm hearing you say is that you pretty much consider that if you do confront her about it, that probably it's going to be the end of the marriage. That's what I'm reading between the lines and hearing you say. Is that correct? I I have a feeling that that would be the case. I mean, I... Okay. I so if you think about it, the fact that, okay, oh, you did file divorce papers? No, she found, she printed them out and has them hidden somewhere. I I can't help myself. Snoop, she never filled them out. They're just sitting. Okay, but she's already looked into it. And so sometimes, yeah. Ryan, what you have to do is you kind of balance between the two things. Okay, if I confront her, then this is probably going to happen. You can't know that for sure, of course, but this is what my gut says will happen. But if I don't confront her, what is the advantage of that? You're living in the same house. You're living in different rooms. And and she's going out to be with this other guy. Is there any progress being made at all in your relationship with her while she's doing this? Well, I started doing the pies back in December. And about two mm-hmm. months ago, I started to notice that she finally started talking to me, I guess, with less anger. Okay. <laughs> and okay. that's gotten better and better, but it almost seems more the better that it gets as far as us conversating, the worse I get when I know that she's lying. Yeah, I, I get that. I understand yeah. that. But, but what I'm hearing you say is that you are making some progress in at least becoming friends again, correct? Yes, that is okay. for sure. Well, I, it always has to wind up being your decision. I mean, always, because we can't tell you what to do. But there's a thing we talk about called the valley. As a matter of fact, I'm going to, 
actually go to the next caller and talk to the next caller here in about a minute or two and talk to that caller about the valley because that's the question. So I'm not going to explain the whole lot about the valley right now, but ask you, Ryan, when I go to the next caller, if you'll keep listening so I can talk about the valley because that's kind of where you are. Now, at the same time, you're asking that question, should I tell her mom? And I would seriously consider what that's going to accomplish. If you think I'm going to tell her mom and her mom's going to intervene and she's going to straighten up, Unless they have a very unusual in a relationship, that's not likely what's going to happen. Now, of course, I don't know her. I don't know her mom. You do. And if you think that mom could be an ally, they could help put the relationship back together, then it might be worth the risk. But my guess, and of course, I do, as I just said, I don't know your wife. I don't know your mother-in-law. But typically, the way people react to this is, you threw me under the bus with my own mother? And rather than them thinking, okay, I'm going to listen to mom and straighten up, if she gets confronted by mom, and, and again, because I don't know mom, I don't know if she would confront or not, but if he gets confronted by mom, then in all likelihood, her reaction is going to be anger toward you. How dare you do that and hurt my relationship with my mother? And so we typically tell people, okay, it's always your decision. You do what you think is best. But why would you do anything? Why would you do anything that you're pretty sure is going to have a negative result? I mean, you can do it if you wish. Why would you? Now, I want to talk more about the Valley, Ryan. So I'm going to go to the next, next caller over here in Iowa because she's asking a question about the Valley. And I want you to keep listening to this. So we're now I'm talking to Stephanie. Hi, Stephanie. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I am rocking and bopping. And so I see here that you're saying the husband's in the valley and you're, you're asking if you should stand up for yourself, correct? Correct. If I may ask, how long have you guys been married? 11 years. 11 we years. Have four children. Four children. Okay. And tell me a little bit about this valley. What's going on there? Well, um, this weekend we made some really good progress and he actually told me that like, he feels like he's home with me. Um, mm. so I'm definitely winning. I know it's not a competition, but I feel like I'm winning. Um, mm. but then he, then he took a brick down and he told me that he is planning on going kayaking with his, um, affair partner tomorrow mm. afternoon because he, he's a teacher and, and she's a child therapist at the school. Um, hmm. Anyway, so they have a coworker who, I guess, needs some fun time. And so, he, of course, he asked me for permission, but I also know that he made these plans before saying anything to me. Um, so I, as, far as, as far as what I responded to him, saying that I didn't want to be the bad guy and that I asked that he think about putting himself in my shoes before he made this decision mm-hmm. um, and and I mean I told him you know you know I, I'm not going to be comfortable with this or happy about this but you're a big boy you need to make your own decisions mm-hmm. and um, so anyways um, then I asked him later what he had decided and he said that he was planning on going and obviously he could see that my demeanor had changed and I was not happy about it so how do I respond mm-hmm. him? Because I don't want him to stop talking to me and telling me these things. But 
but I also don't, I, I'm starting to think he expects me to be superhuman and be yeah. okay with him because he said all along he's going to pursue a friendship and a business with this other woman. First of all, I'm so sorry because I know this has got to be so tough. You still love this guy, right? Pretty sure, but sometimes I start questioning that along with this show. Yeah, I understand. I mean, so welcome to the human race, Stephanie. But, uh, okay, when when you say, should I send it for myself, what would that mean? How would you do that? Well, I just, at what point, because I, I feel like I'm bordering on the line of becoming a doormat or enab- not really enabling, but mm-hmm. like, you know, I, I told him, I said, do you expect me to wish you well and say, go have fun. I'm glad mm-hmm. you're going. You know, I, I guess I just don't know how to respond to him. He, you know, I asked him yeah. if there was going to be drinking and he didn't really know, but I'm pretty sure there will yeah. be. I'm probably so. so. I guess I just don't know. So is this, is this where you're willing to draw the battle line? Is this the hill on which you will fight your final battle? I don't think so. I okay. just I don't want to give him the impression that I'm okay with him being friends with her. Yeah, and I don't think you should. But I also don't want to drive him away. Okay. Well, so far it sounds to me like you've been doing a pretty good job at this. Now, seventy for a minute or so. Let me let me kind of describe to everybody out there what we call the valley. The valley is when a person is in a situation where that he or she doesn't feel like they have to make any changes. So, in a situation such as Stephanie just described, I'm living at home. I'm, I'm with my wife. We have a relationship, but I'm also involved with this other person out here and want to think about even getting in business with her. And when a person is in the valley, that's how we describe it. When they don't feel like they have to make a decision today. Okay, I'm still with you and I'm still with her as well. And the valley means they don't feel like they've got to go one direction or the other. Now, we've got some podcasts out there about this. If you go to uh, YouTube.com, YouTube.com slash Marriage Helper, all one long word, Marriage Helper, you are Marriage Helper, then you can find we have hundreds and hundreds of YouTube videos out there. By the way, if you go look at some of those, I would ask and you do a favor for us and that you subscribe. That helps us with YouTube to reach more people. But in the valley is when, okay, I don't have to make a decision. And if you've listened to what Stephanie said, here's what she said about it. I don't want to make him or do something that would uh, lead him to not want to talk to me anymore. At the same time, I'm not happy about what he's doing. In the valley, you can very easily and should tell the other person what you feel. But understand, if, you, if you're going to do that, and, and if you're going to allow the valley to go on for a while, now you might be thinking, what? Let the valley go on for a while? Why would anybody do that? We suggest that if you can do it, and not everybody can, I mean, because it sounds like sometimes superhuman, superhuman, but if you can do it and there's progress being made toward you, then sometimes allowing them to be in the valley for a little while actually is advantageous because they are developing a better relationship with you. They are moving back toward you. If the person's not moving back toward you, then it's not really much of a valley. 
they pretty well made the decision that they're going with this other person. At least they're not going to be with you. But if, if you allow that to happen, we still call it the Valley because of the fact that they still have some kind of relationship with you. Like with our previous caller, Ryan, when he was saying, you know, we're still living in the same house. No, we're in different bedrooms, but we're in the same house. That's still kind of the Valley because they don't have to make a decision. And if some progress is made back toward you, then letting it go on for a little while can be to your advantage if progress is being made back toward you. But if there's not any progress being made back toward you, then why allow that to continue? Now, you can. It's your choice, not mine. But why? What do you expect to accomplish by that? Now, then we have Stephanie saying, but I've gotten to the point where I feel like I'm kind of a doormat, and that's never a good thing. And so to somebody like Stephanie, we would say this. You know, you can very definitely say, I don't like that. I wish you wouldn't do that. But there's kind of a secret here, and it's not really a secret, just more of a methodology. And that methodology is this. Rather than, and, and it sounds like Stephanie's doing it very well, by the way. Rather than saying something like, how dare you go be with that woman? What's wrong with you? Why do you think like that? How do you think I can be happy with that? That's kind of an attack. And attacks tend to push the other person away. But saying what you feel, like, you know, I won't have any peace about this. I won't feel good about this. This hurts me. You can do that. Now, you might be thinking, well, might that be a push as well? Yeah, it may. But but you're still talking about what you feel. So it's definitely not as bad as the attack. And plus the fact that explaining what you feel and what you think, those kinds of things, is what will keep you from being the doormat. Now, Stephanie could make a decision saying, okay, if you go with this thing, I'll go file for divorce. She could make that decision if she wished. That's why I ask her, is this the hill on which you're willing to have your final battle? Because if, if she decides that it is, then she can do that. Or if it's like, no, I think we're making progress. This is going to hurt. And I've told him it's going to hurt, but I'm not going to make the final battle here. I'm going to go on for a little while past this because we are making progress. If Stephanie chooses to do that, that can actually be in, in Stephanie's advantage. Now, understand, if it begins to do damage to her or to her children, and I think, Stephanie, you said you had four children. Is that right? Four kids? Yes. Okay. And the oldest of whom is how old? Nine. Nine. Okay. Nine down to one. Yep. Wow. And did this, did yeah, this current this thing? Yeah, all started when I was pregnant with my fourth. Okay. Believe it or not, Stephanie, that's not unusual at all. We we actually hear a lot that the guy will start a relationship with somebody else during the wife's pregnancy. We could go into a lot of speculation as to why that happens, but it's irrelevant here. So, Stephanie, what do you want to do? Do you want to let him, you already let him know how you feel. That's good. Is this where you want to draw the final battle line? Or because you are making progress, are you willing to tolerate it a little bit longer? And here's the other thing about it, Stephanie. If it's doing damage to you or your children, either physically, intellectually, emotionally, or spiritually, I'm not talking about hurt. Obviously, it hurts. I'm talking about damage. If it's doing damage to you or to your children, then it may be time to pull the plug. If it's not doing damage, do you want to tolerate that a little bit longer because you're making progress? It's up to you. What do you want? Well, I'm going to tolerate it longer. I guess I, he's very in tune to how I respond to him so he could see my demeanor change. And when that mm -hmm. changes, then he pulls away. 
Mm-hmm. So, uh, yes, it's doing damage to me, but I think I can hang in there longer. Well, if you can, Stephanie, hopefully that will begin to pull him back even closer to you. That's what we hope happens. Okay. But at whatever point, Stephanie, you think that the damage is too big, too much for you or for your kids, then don't feel guilty about pulling the plug on that valley thing. Because, because I'll tell you right now, what you've done so far is amazingly strong. And if you can do it a little bit longer, I'm impressed. But don't do it to the point where it becomes destructive to your your children. That would be my recommendation. Yeah, probably the hardest part is sleeping and not ruminating on all of this. Oh, yeah. I can't see what our folks get up. Did you happen to get those links by any chance that our people put up? About the mindfulness? I I have, no, I didn't see anything come through, but I stopped watching on YouTube. I'm just listening via phone. Yeah, well, the yeah, the YouTube and everything messed up. I tell you what, uh, I'll I'll be sending this document over to the person on our team who answers the email at info at marriagehelper dot com. And so, if you just you and anybody else out there listening, if you just email info at marriagehelper dot com and say I want those mindfulness links, then then probably it'll be tomorrow. But they'll send those back to you, and that can help. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much. You're very welcome, Stephanie. My heart is with you. Actually, my heart's breaking for you. <sighs> okay. And now I've got to go over to the great state of, uh, let's see, this is California again, and we're going to talk to Sandra. Hi, Sandra, are you there? Yes, I am. How are you, Dr. B? Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm doing better than I deserve, my friend. I see that you're trying to figure out how to navigate through the end of his affair. Are you sure it's yes. ending? Yes, so he was in about a two-year affair, um, mm-hmm. and he ended up leaving, separating in, in about August of last year, mm-hmm. and um, they had, um, things fell apart rather quickly. I think things ended in December. She left him up very abruptly and doesn't want anything to do with him. He has tried to kind of pull her back into the relationship, and it's just been, mm-hmm. um, she has not responded well. And it's just been one of these back and forth things. Um, Mm -hmm. He says he has not seen her since, I think, uh, uh, December. Um, And again, she does not want to have anything to do with him. It's Mm -hmm. tormented him. I mean, it has changed him completely. He is um, seeking a therapist, um, but I don't feel like she's been very helpful. He's just a completely different person. Mm -hmm. And... When he's triggered by this woman, I feel like he takes it out on me. And he is now seeing yet another woman. And Hmm. I feel like he's, this other woman is causing a divide in us as well because Hmm. she's not comfortable with things, um, with our relationship. Like for Father's Day, she was upset that he was going to spend Father's Day with me, Hmm. um, that I, uh, I was going over with his family side of the family. She didn't like it. And this is a new woman. I mean, she's only been in his, she's only started dating him for, you know, a couple mm-hmm. of weeks as far as I know at that point. Okay. And, you know, it just seems like he takes out all of his anger um, out on me. I feel like he can't get over his mm-hmm. initial affair partner. Mm-hmm. And I worry about him because I feel like he's in a self-destructive pattern. 
You may well be. Has he indicated any desire to try to put the marriage back together? No, he tells me he does not want to. He says he okay. loves me, but um, he feels that there's just been too much damage and that our relationship has just played itself out. Too much damage about what you did to him or what he did to you? What he's done to me. Okay. All right. And so you still want to put the marriage back together, is that correct? You know, at this point, I just want to have a good relationship with him. I just want to have a, um, you know, I felt like for a long time, yes, I was trying um, to make things work with him. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, we would make love. And then kind of like the last caller, I started feeling like a doormat because Mm -hmm. I started noticing he started dating the second person. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I felt like I'm his wife, so I don't want to do that anymore. And... Um, I just want to have, uh, I've tried talking to him about it to tell him how I feel and that mm-hmm. he's taking things out on me, but he says I'm being manipulative. Hmm. Just because you tell him what you feel, you're being manipulative. That's interesting. So, so when you ask this question, how to navigate through the end of his affair, what specifically are you asking about? What are you looking for, Sandra? I guess I just want to know, um, what to expect. I mean, I, I really do believe that that affair is over because the woman doesn't want to have anything to do with him, mm-hmm. but he's just so torn and he takes it out on me. I feel, what do mm-hmm. I expect? What, what kind of tools, what, what, how should I react when he comes and he gets nasty with me? I mean, I, I those are, I guess, are the things, the boundaries, I guess that I, I'm mm-hmm. just, I'm struggling with because I also, you know, not only am wanting to deal with that, but I'm also fearful for him because I feel like yeah. here he goes on now with another relationship that's tearing us apart even further. And, yeah. you know, it's just, I feel like it's just all self-destructive. Right. Well, my prediction is the relationship he's in now, is not going to last very long. Now, obviously I don't know everything and I could be wrong, but that's my prediction. Let me explain a couple of things about this. If I may, when a person gets into a limit relationship and, and for you folks out there listening, if you're not aware of what we mean when we say limerence, again, I would recommend that you go to youtube.com slash marriage helper, all one long word, marriage helper, marriage helper you are. And you can find hundreds of videos we've done there and look for the ones about limerence. That's how sometimes they come under the heading of affair, but basically a person in limerence becomes quote madly in love in quote with the other person. That's what they feel inside themselves. And if they're married, like this gentleman was married or is married to Sandra, then typically people in a limit relationship um, begin to vilify the spouse. In this case, that would be Sandra. Uh, whatever flaws that Sandra has, and I'm sure she has some because everybody's imperfect. Nobody is perfect. We're all flawed that those get exacerbated in his brain because that's what happens often when people are in limerence. Okay. Now limerence has three stages. I don't have time to explain all that here, but in the third stage, which I call deterioration, the person who went into limerence the fastest is almost always the one who comes out of limerence the fastest. So the fact that this woman has come out of limerence and doesn't want anything to do with him my guess would be that over on the front end of it, when they were first going into it, he was the one that was being pulled back into it repeatedly by her. But the advantage she had was they were moving toward limerence, which was strong. And now he's trying to pull her back, but she's moving out of limerence, which means that it's not going to work. It doesn't happen. 
And so the frustration, the pain, the agony, because of the fact that he's probably, based on what Sanders is describing, he's probably still in what I would call phase two, which is the most intense phase of it. And so he'll be feeling things like, I'm lost. You know, I don't, I've, I've given up all these kinds of things to be with her, and now she doesn't want to be with me. And there's all kinds of negative emotions that go with that. Now, you would think, okay, then why wouldn't he come back to Sandra? Because in all likelihood, he vilified Sandra in his own mind. So that right now, he's thinking that being alone would be better than going back to my marriage. Not true, but that's what he would have gotten himself self into and the way he thought and was thinking to get into that relationship. And so if a person can't be with the L-O, the limerent object, it is extremely common that they start attaching to other people, but almost always those are very short-lived relationships. And so the woman that he's with now, that, you know, that now he's headed toward her, uh, is basically uh, a rebound, if you will. I don't like that word, but what you see is right now a rebound from the limerent object who turned him down and doesn't want to be with him. And so that's why I predict, Sandra, that this one's not going to last terribly long. Now, it can last several months, but it's not going to last terribly long unless he's violated the pattern. In other words, if he's, if he's extraordinary here, it's just not going to last very long. And why I take the anger out on you is because we people take their anger out on the safest targets. And where does that anger come from? Anger always comes from pain. So the pain he's feeling because that original L.O. Has, has rejected him shows up in those two ways. That other woman, which is a temporary medication for him, and chewing and demonstrating anger toward you. Now, are you still with me after all that long monologue there, Sandra? <laughs> I apologize yes, I that I talked so long ago. Yes. Okay. And so your question becomes, all right, how do I deal with this anger? It actually becomes what you're willing to put up with and what you're not willing to put up with. Because you can actually, you know, you've already stopped making love to him because you felt like you were being used. And so now you can just say, hey, I'm happy to talk to you, happy to listen, want to be your friend, but not when you're going to take your anger out on me. I'm, I don't want to be the brunt of your anger. And so when that happens, you know, we'll have to end our conversation, we'll have to end our interaction. You have the right to do that if you wish. And if... If you want to set some boundaries, if you go on our website, uh, marriagehelper.com, somewhere on there, and there's a search engine you can use to define it. I did a thing called a definitive guide to boundaries. It's all audio. It's about an hour and 15 minutes audio that I did two, three years ago. And it explains how to set the boundaries and how to enforce the boundaries. By any chance, have you, uh, have you heard that audio? Or are you familiar with it at all? I'm familiar with it, yes. Okay. Well, so, Sandra, it comes down to what you want to do. Are you ready to set some boundaries? Uh, I think I, I need to. Yeah, it sounds like it. At the same time, I realize that you don't know that you want this guy back anymore. And that's certainly your right, your privilege, your choice. But after he stumbles through this woman, he may actually stumble through another one. But at some point, at some point, he's going to kind of find himself like, what the heck have I done? And at that point, if you wanted to put the relationship back together, and if you were still available, meaning you haven't moved on with your life altogether, there's actually a possibility of putting this back together. But really, the ball is in your court if that happens and when that happens. 
is is there anything that he could do to kind of help him navigate through the end of the limerent relationship so that he could kind of mm-hmm. heal through that? Go see his doctor, his physician. Uh-oh. I can't believe my phone is still on. I'm embarrassed. Pardon me, Sandra. I always turn it off. Yes. If he goes, does he have a physician that he sees regularly by any chance? Yes, he does. Okay. Then there there has been some documentation of studies that uh, high doses of what's known as SSRIs, those are selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. Okay. I read this research a couple of years ago, as a matter of fact, they didn't name which one it was. Now understand what the SSRIs, there's several different versions. There's like Zoloft, Lexapro, Alexa, there's a ton of them out there. But, but and, and they did not name in this particular study, they did not name which one of the SSRIs they used. And, and you just remember that SSRI. But under high doses of that, and of course they have to work up to it because it works on brain chemicals. So they would start off at one dosage and then increase and increase and increase. Uh, feelings of, quote, love, end quote, go away. And so if he were, if his physician felt that it was a, um, a responsible thing to do to prescribe the SSR as from, for him, in other words, there's not some, some uh, medical condition that would prevent that from being a good thing. And if that physician then helped him work up to the high doses of those SSRIs, then it would have a very strong likelihood of helping him get past this faster. Now understand if the dosage is not strong enough, it doesn't help much. So it's, it's pretty high dosages. And, and there's research out there about that, that the physician could look up if he wanted to or she wanted to. Got it. Okay. You sound like a really nice person to me. You sound like somebody who's really strong and got your act together. And so I'm so very sorry, Sandra, this is happening to you. I hope that you don't think that it's because of some flaw in you. This has to do with him being pulled away by something else, right? Thank you, Dr. Bean. You're very welcome, Sandra. You take care of yourself, my friend. Uh, my heart breaks for people. It really does. I understand that uh, hmm, this is the kind of thing that I did all those years ago. Uh, Alice and I have been remarried since 1987, so we've been remarried for 33 years. But before that, we were married for 15 years, and then I left Alice for another woman. I divorced her because I was going to marry my limerick object, and we were going to be happy ever after. And it didn't turn out that way. And I rem- and I can relate to what Sandra's husband's feeling because when that woman began to pull away from me, the one that I changed my life for, you know, ended my marriage, ended my career and everything else to be with her. When she began to pull away from me, I was extremely desperate. And and it was like, I, I can't live without her. It just tore me apart. And of course, I couldn't get her back. Okay. And when that happened, I did wind up being involved with several different women over a period of time. And when people today say, why didn't you go back to Alice at that point? It's what I was saying to Sandra a minute ago. I had so vilified Alice in my mind to justify my being with this other woman. By the way, I never tell her name. I just call her Sally Sue, okay, because I've never met a Sally Sue. So I left Alice for Sally Sue. I was going to be happy with Sally Sue. And part of that being able to do that was in my mind, Alice, 
became the villain. She became this terrible, evil, wicked person that nobody could live with if they knew her. So that when finally Sally Sue ended the thing with me, I tried to pull her back, tried to pull her back, and that did not work. Rather than going back to Alice, I went from one woman to another for a while. And and uh, some of them were really, well, the last one was a really, really good woman. Okay. By that time, I was divorced, so she wasn't having an affair with me. I was a divorced man at that point, and she was single. But I finally came to the realization, well, too much of a story. I'm not going to tell more of it right now. But when I finally came to my senses, if you will, allow me to phrase it that way, it's when I called Alice and asked her if she'd be willing to take me back. She had already moved on with her life. She was already dating somebody else. And so she took a couple of weeks to think it through, and she consented and we remarried each other and been married this time 33 years. So 15 years the first time, three years divorced, and then 33 years this time. And that's why I think I've got some decent insight. Okay. I've got some decent insight into Sandra's husband and what he's going through. I think he's pretty well living the same thing I went through back in those days. Hmm. And now we're going to go over here to Delaware, and we're going to talk to Mark. Mark, how are you today? How are you doing? I am rocking and bopping. I see here that you're asking about limerence existing after divorce, and I don't know exactly what that question means, so help me understand that, please. Yeah, first of all, I just want to say thanks for all you do. I actually met you at a conference. For those of you listening, Dr. Beam is really the real deal in person, as much so as he is on the phones here or on YouTube or anything else. He's a great man. Oh, so you're on America. Well, thank you, Mark. You're that, Mark. It's nice to hear from yes, you again. Sir. I remember we had some nice conversations yes, over in Delaware. I think you're a good guy. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, well, I'll keep you, I'll keep you uh, not long here. I know you have a lot of callers. So my question is, I have one question, and it's one piece of advice that you give it to me. Uh, my question is, when we always talk about limerence and the valley, it always seems to apply to people that are already married or in current marriage. But can limerence and the valley apply to or your, your ex-wife, or ex-husband, showing interest, okay, Mark, but not you're, you're, with else. You broke up on me there, Mark. You broke up on me. So can you try that one more time? You, it broke up and I couldn't hear. question was, if you can hear me now, um, yeah. mm-hmm. does the lim- does limerence and the valley apply only to people that are married, or what if there is a divorce involved? Can that person, the ex-wife, the ex-husband, still be going through limerence and the valley as well, or is it only during marriage? Yeah, it can. It can. It's about any relationship. Actually, it doesn't have to be truly married. They could be, you know, very seriously dating. It can happen. So are you saying that you still think that you're in limits with your wife? No, what I'm saying is my wife actually divorced me because of some bad behaviors. And I expected there would be fun in the picture. That happened probably in 2000. She actually divorced me in October. Um but just recently, in April of 2020, not even a year later, she's kind of saying that there, she might see other people. And then by accident, I kind of stumbled upon some phenomena that look a little bit strange. I'm not saying she is, but all things are pointing to the fact of she may have been with somebody during our divorce before it was official. So uh, I'm just wondering, was she in the valley at that point? Is she in the valley right now where she can come over, see the kids, hang out with me? And we were kind of cordial, but at the same time, you know, kind of just be in the valley with someone else. Yeah, she could be. But at the same time, Mark, in the sense that you're already divorced, she may not be viewing it as the valley. In other words, she might not 
be seeing you as an option right now. It may just be that the other person is the option and that she's gradually becoming friends with you. So the same principle would work, even if she doesn't think about it as being the valley, the same principle would work. If, if you are developing this friendship again, you know, beginning to put it back together the friendship, which is always the best way to do it, then she, she may be in the valley, but not realize that she's in the valley. And so when you're asking about limerence after a divorce, you mean, could she still be in limerence with the other person? Is that what you're saying? Correct, sir. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's very possible. She could be. But limerence always has a shelf life. In other words, it's according to Dr. Fisher's work and her research is amazing. It's going to last somewhere between three months and 48 months. And about half of them then are done by the 24th month. And so, yeah, she might still be in limerence with him. But the fact that she's beginning to develop a relationship with you again, actually is a is kind of a good sign, Mark. It doesn't necessarily guarantee that it's going to end with the other guy and come back to you, but at least it creates the possibility that it could. Right. Right. Okay. Um, I just have one other question. It's of advice. If and then she does say, Hey, listen, I've already seen somebody. I want to move on. You've actually told people some good advice about what to say. Um, obviously I don't want to use any enforcement. I don't want to exercise my pies and show that I've changed. What would be a good way to accept and just, you know, tell her I understand, or what would be a, a good way to kind of accept that? Even though I don't agree with it, I do accept it. Okay. And then I think that's what you do. Mark, I think I told a story um, when you were there in Delaware about a couple where that had happened, where the, the, it was the wife who would say to the husband, I understand how you feel. I accept the fact that you feel that way. I pray that someday you can feel that way about me. And so in that story that if you happen to remember, and I'm pretty sure I told it when I was there with you guys, it has to do with, yeah, you can say that. Like, you know, I accept the fact that you feel the way you feel. I accept that you're making decisions that, that you think are best for you. At the same time, I know that I still care about you. And uh, if a relationship ever became possible between us, I'd love to do that. Now, if you think that last phrase would be too much of a push, then just say the first part. I understand how you feel. I accept the fact that you feel that way. And I accept that you understand how I feel. I still love you. And so you do it without making pressure, but you definitely can do that. Okay. All right. Well, I appreciate it, sir. I really do. Uh, and again, thanks for all that you guys do, you and Kimberly and the rest of your team. You guys are amazing. So thank you. I appreciate it. Well, thank you very much, Mark. And it's good to hear from you again. I do remember you coming over on that Friday night there in Delaware, and, and you and I just sat in that little room and talked for a while. I, I really do think you're a good guy, my friend. I really do. Well, I appreciate it. I'll definitely be in work. So thank you. Thank you, my friend. Take care. Okay, he's really a nice guy. And <laughs> he was so, so nice afterwards. To, to actually um, call in one of our previous programs. I think it was a call. It was somehow he contacted us and, and, and said the very nice things he was saying here, like, you know, the, the Beam's actually the real deal. He's actually a nice guy, not just this jerk who knows how to act. <laughs> and I felt really good that he would say something like that about me. Okay. And made me feel good. So thank you, Mark. I appreciate those compliments and thank you for helping me feel better about me on, on occasion. So thank you so much. And now we got to go to the great state of Texas here in the USA and talk to Terrence. Hi, Terrence. Are you there? 
I am. How are you? I'm rocking and bopping. I see here that you're saying that your wife says she loves you but is not in love with you. Is that correct? That is correct. Um, Has she been married for... Go ahead. I'm sorry. (laughs) We've been married for 18 years. um, And I guess... Maybe a year and a half ago, she started reaching out to an old flame, uh, someone she was dating before we met, uh, mm-hmm. just messaging on, on the Internet first. And then um, as our situation started to deteriorate, she moved out in October of last year. Uh, so we've been separated since then. Um, she says she's done with the marriage. Um, she doesn't think there's hope for us. Has she given a reason for being done with the marriage? She doesn't think that we communicate well. She doesn't think that I changed. I was guilty of an emotional affair 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, and one which I denied for a while. And because of that denial, she believes it had to be much more than that. But that was 10 years ago. It was 10 years ago. Um, The thing that I think has caused us, uh, I travel a lot for work. Um, I'm privileged to be able to fly back and forth to see her often. Um, But uh, my mother got sick when she came to visit us in Houston, and um, she suffered an aneurysm. So basically a lot of that pressure fell on my wife at the time. Um, because I was still traveling back and forth while families were coming in and out. I think all of that plus our own stress kind of added to her just feeling like giving up. Like she wasn't appreciated. She didn't feel mm-hmm. um, all of that. So. so that was before she got involved with the old flame or after? That was right before. So just immediately before. Okay. Did she go looking for this guy? She did. Okay. And then and then she was saying things about what happened 10 years ago at that point then? About what happened 10 years ago, what happened 20 years ago when we first met, uh, little gotcha. things in between. Um, but those, but those were things like that were being talked about until she got involved with the other guy, correct? No, some of them were, uh, most weren't. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'm so sorry, my friend. So uh, how much involved with this other guy is she right now? Or do you know? Um, well, since she's moved out, she's pretty much lived a pretty single life. Um, she's every major holiday that we usually have spent together for the past two decades. She's chosen to be either with him or uh, with other family members, but not with me. Um, mm-hmm. she had a birthday this past weekend and, um, she chose to spend that with him. Yeah. Okay. So and, uh, and if, you, if you already told me this, forgive me for not getting it, but are you guys divorced? We are not. We're separated. Um, she recently on father's day came back and wanted to spend the time with me. And then the following week spent the entire week with me and, talked about going to see a counselor. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I, it vacillated again, and I found out that I guess they were going through a rough patch 
mm-hmm. that's probably why she came and reached out to me. Could be. Could be. Terrence, are you familiar with our online course, our Save My Marriage course? I have seen it. I um, I was downloading it. I haven't taken the course yet, but... Um, okay. I, uh, Would you allow me to give it to you as my gift? Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Okay, because I'm not... I'm not sure that my team can actually hear this. We're having a lot of technical problems. I'm going to jot, just give me one second here. I'm going to jot down your number because I see it on my screen right here. Mm-hmm. Okay, I got that. And so I'll forward that on to, to our team, and one of them will be in contact with you. But I'm only going to give it to you if you make me a promise. And that promise is, yes, will, you, will you promise to go through the entire 10 week course absolutely i'm at this point i want my marriage i want to try to save it if possible i i will admit i was guilty i i found your you guys in november of last year started listening to some of the youtube things um and started doing the the smart contact for Mm -hmm. a little bit but got frustrated because it didn't seem to work Mm. then I have friends that say, well, no contact. You don't need to have anything. And I, I struggle with that. <laughs> um, no anyway, contact I, thing I, I just doesn't work. <laughs> like I've said so many times, Terrence, you know, here's a person already saying, I don't want to be with you. And you think that by making no contact, all of a sudden they change their mind. <laughs> but no contact thing is kind of just playing into their hands, you know. But i tell you what, we're going to send you this uh, like I said, I'm going to pass your number on and somebody will be contacting you. And, and now it, but you've got to keep your promise, man. You know, you told me you would, so I'm going to count on you keeping your word. You're going to go through all 10 weeks of Absolutely. that. And it's going to give you some suggestions about things to do, how to understand this and how to act. Okay. Yes, sir. I appreciate it. Okay, Terrence. And, <sighs> and then I want to you for this. Good deal. And then contact me back in a few weeks and let me know if, if it's working for you, okay? I'm serious. All right? Okay. All right. Thank you, Terrence. Right, thank you. Terrence, Terrence. Terrence, I'm having trouble pronouncing my name today. Terrence, okay. Uh, and so, let's see here. Uh, okay. I think this is a Arizona call here. And uh, we're going to talk to Dan in Arizona. Hi, Dan. How are you today? Good, good. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can now. And the question is, you're saying your wife left for peace? What does that mean, my friend? So my wife approached me in February because she had a realization in December that she was feeling tense in our home and she needed to get away. So she uh, moved out in April. I actually moved her, supported her. Um, she told me hey, you kind of you're kind of breaking up on me there, my friend. So I'm not quite catching all of this. Um, okay, so she said things were t- too tense in your home, and so she moved out. That's what I heard. But I'm having trouble because you're, you're kind of breaking up on me. Did I get that correctly so far? Yeah. She. Can you hear me better now? Yes, I I'm can. Sorry. Thank you. Um. So she said we've been we we. We've been married uh, going on nine years. We begin together 15. We have an eight-year-old daughter. She's been a stay-at-home mom. And in February, she said that she realized something wasn't right in her life, and it was this relationship and our home being here and trapped feeling. So she asked to separate. And in April, 
I moved her out, um, supported her. We we still talk, but all I hear is that she lacked any intimate desire toward me. She still loves me. No energy for relationships because they're too much work. She craves peace, um, and she she does miss family activities with me. We and and it makes more sense to be together. She just can't come home now. Um, the rest of that is I did do extremely pushy behaviors from about February mm-hmm. till June. Mm-hmm. Um, then I started working on pies and smart contacts. So we're in a stage now where we do communicate. She just doesn't want to talk about relationships. And one of your YouTube things said that this happens, but it's rare. So there's no, there's no other person. Neither one of us have ever cheated, had any affairs. There's, there's nothing like that. It just seems she's chasing some sort of just mental, uh, just a piece to, to unwind or something, but is not in mm-hmm. the meantime. So let me, let me ask kind you a couple of a questions, of if I may, Dan. How old is she? She's 44. Okay. Has there been any significant change in life in the last year or so, like somebody close to her dying, losing a job that she loved? I mean, something significant, any significant changes in the last 12, 18 months? Um, no, she just started to feel like she lost herself staying at home. Her daughter was very hard to deal with. She kind of became oppositionally defiant and very, uh, very mean in the last couple of years. And my wife just started, she started school about two years ago and found that becoming, trying to become a, a professional again is making her happy. So she wants to focus on her schooling and not being under, you know, my care all the time as the as the provider, basically. Okay. So there was a significant change two years ago when she started school. If I may ask, what she's studying? Nursing. Okay. And so she goes out, starts to find her own identity that's not necessarily connected to you. And that started about a couple mm-hmm. of years ago. Has she finished nursing school yet? No, she's got about two years left. Uh, and she's actually got to get admitted to the program by, she'll find out in September. Okay. Okay. And so has her personality changed very much? Um, she's a, she's always been an anxious woman and she, she seems to take on the world's problems. So lately I just hear a lot about COVID and just, I try to redirect to something happy all the time, but I would say it's been pretty, you know, we had a phase there where she just study every night and I would come home and watch TV by myself. And we just kind of, you know, I'd say, I'd say since she's been a stay at home mom, we kind of, we kind of rushed into marriage kid. After, uh, okay. We got married, then had a kid. And then she kind of, I see over the years, we slowly kind of forgot our couple identity. Okay. Okay. And so the question I'm seeing here is you're saying, how do you navigate this? What specifically are you asking my friend? So it's strange because I try to do smart contact, but it's she'll open the door sometimes to have relationship conversations, but then she'll immediately shut it on me because I will try to, you know, make sense of things and she doesn't want to have long drawn out conversations. And mm-hmm. then 
she'll she'll seem to reach out and want to do something, but you know, only as a family. It's hard to we we never have we probably been on like four dates in eight years, but um, so <laughs> it's hard to do anything else. And so I guess it feels like I'm in a hybrid situation because she's not seeking another person. She says she has no energy mm-hmm. for any relationship. And mm-hmm. I don't know what stage I'm at and what else I can do besides try to try to navigate the contact and work on myself. Well, that's primarily what you do. You see, when we look at a marriage relationship, like, you know, it, we look at it this way. Is a person feel that he or she's being pushed away or are they being pulled by something? Now, there's something up that can be a pull often is another person, but it doesn't have to be another person. It can be something else pulling them. So, for example, let's say you're living in a home. If, if indeed she really felt that she was tense all the time and had no peace, if that's, if that's actually an honest appraisal on her part rather than an excuse, then, then being alone can be a pull. Because it's like, if, if I'm here, we're going to have these kind of stresses. I don't want these kind of stresses. And if I'm over here by myself, then those stresses at least cease. Right? If not cease, at least diminish. And so a pull can just be being by myself if they feel like that the push is big. Another kind of pull can be a lifestyle. Like, uh, I can't have this lifestyle if I'm married. Like we had an earlier caller on this program that, you know, he wants to go live that single life again, the single life of a musician, and he can't, he feels like he can't do that and still be married. So it can be a lifestyle. It can be finding peace, as you say. It can be a, a fantasy they're pursuing. So it's not always another person. We look at if this is a pull, and then we try to figure out, okay, is the pull the big thing here or is the push the big thing here? Because if it's a minor pull, in other words, it's a small pull, not that it's minor, it's obviously a big deal. But if it's it's a not very big pull, but a really big push, then what do you do? Well, you try to figure out ways how to reduce the push. And by reducing the push and then start working on the pull, in other words, how do I become better? So the smart contact, the working on the physical, intellectual, emotional, spiritual, the pies thing that we talk about, all those kinds of things are pulls. But you've got to reduce the pushes as much as you can. You're never going to get them all gone. But reduce the pushes as much as you can so that you can work on the pulls that lead the other person back toward you. And so that pull out there. The question would become, and of course, there's no way I can ascertain this. The question would become, is that a big pull or is it a little pull, but she feels like it's a really big push? And if her assessment is that it's just too tense here, I can't live like this. It takes too much energy. Then she's perceiving a big, big push. Now, the next question becomes then, okay, is it a push that you're creating or is it a push that you're inheriting? So, for example, uh, the COVID thing, causing all kinds of stress and stuff like that. Obviously, that can't be your fault. It's coming from someplace else. And so how do you navigate this? As much as you can, reduce whatever pushes. Don't whine, don't beg, don't please, don't get angry, all those kinds of things, as much as you can. And at the same time, you increase the pulls. You become a person who's understanding, a person who can listen, a person who can accept the other individual as he or she is. You work on yourself becoming the best you can be physically, intellectually, emotionally, spiritually. And folks, if you guys want to know more about that, everybody listening out there, we do have an online program called Save My Marriage. And, and it's a 10-week program. It's video-driven. And in addition to that, you have some PDFs that you download, things that you fill out. And then every week, 
there's actually a support call. So not, not an individual support call, but a group. And so people in that group can call into the support call. They send questions in advance. And typically it's one of our coaches who will come on for an hour and all those questions that have been received in, received in advance, the ones that, that are the most common, in other words, more people send in this topic, they do their best to answer those questions. And so you get that kind of call, phone call every week as, as well. Now, uh, there's a way to do this online, but I don't know how to do that. So if, if you're interested in that Save My Marriage course, call our office. The toll-free number is 866-903-0990. That's 866-903-0990. Or contact us at info at marriagehelper.com. And uh, one of our client representatives will get back to you and help you understand what's available and how you can get it. I apologize at the beginning of this program. I didn't do what I had promised I was going to do in the sense that I was going to talk all about how to get past the pain of a cheating spouse. I did talk about it, but I broke it up some because of the fact that I saw we were having technical difficulties and problems. So I guess what I'm going to do is this. Sometime in the next few weeks, I'll actually do a podcast on that, a video podcast, and we'll put it in that YouTube channel. And so if you go to youtube.com, marriage helper, one long word, marriage helper, you'll find hundreds of videos there. And I'll put a video up there in the next couple of three weeks that actually does what I was going to be talking about today, but without the technical, the technical difficulties. And when you're there, please subscribe because by subscribing, you help us with YouTube and that helps us reach more people to help more people. And that's why we exist. Thank you for being part of our program today. Hopefully whatever technical difficulties we're having with YouTube today and uh, with uh, Facebook today, will get passed. Thank you guys for being with me on blog talk. And until next Monday, Dr. Joe Bean wishing you a good life.